Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show ownership edition for week 18, the final one of the 2021-2022 campaign. So we're happy to have you here with us as we close it out. Still halfway through the week. We got plenty more coming up, but this is the last ownership show. I'm Dave Lockhart at Lafayette underscore D on Twitter's L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D for those of you podcast listeners, along with Matt Gajeski at Matt Gajeski, Matt underscore Gajeski, sorry, G-A-J-E-W-S-K-I and Eric Lindquist at Eric Lindquist. What's good, brother? How you feeling today? Feeling good. Ready to go here. Um, I was going over contract incentives this morning. That's always a Ooh, fun smart. way to get your day going. Um, so got a list of those things, got a list of what people are playing for. Then you get Joe Mixon ruled out. That's interesting. We'll get to all the ins and outs, but week 18 has traditionally been one of the more profitable ones for me in the six, seven years of playing DFS. So looking forward to this one per usual. What are the biggest contract incentives right now that are actually DFS relevant? So you have Cooper Cup. He gets 12 receptions. That's going to break a single season record. So that has nothing really to do with an incentive more so. Um, he needs 136 receiving yards to break that one as well. We'll get to those. But uh, for incentives, we've got so many of these guys like Tom Brady. Uh, if he's a top five in passer rating, you're looking at him getting like over $500,000. Like Tom Brady, $500,000 maybe matters a little bit less. But Stefan Diggs, six receptions, $1.55 million. That sticks out to me pretty big. 230 receiving yards, That's one. that one's going to be a little bit more difficult. You've got Rob Gronkowski with a number of incentives for him. 85 receiving yards gets him half a million dollars. Three touchdowns, half a million. I don't know about that, but at least Tom Brady exists. That's something that's in play. Seven receptions for him as well. And then Rex Burkhead, 103 yard, uh, total yards, gets him over $125,000. So uh, that, along with 30% of offensive snaps, could earn him some more money. There's a number of these type of incentives. We're going to continue to compile them because those things matter come week 18. I bet they never thought they'd be paying out Rex Burkhead on incentives come week 18. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, I, I, you and I talked about it before the show too. I mean, it's not necessarily an, a monetary incentive, but uh, Mike Evans could get a thousand yards for the eighth time in his career. So every single year that he's played, there's a few things out there. Now we just have to figure out who's actually going to play. Yeah, and most of that will be decided later in the week. So we're just working with the best information we have right now. And that's essentially rumors and what we know these teams may or may not gain through wins themselves, what other teams are doing. So there's a couple Saturday games here as well. We're talking about the main slate here. But I know Kansas City's game affects some other teams in that division. So there's the potential for Cincinnati, Cincinnati to have absolutely nothing to play for if Kansas City wins that game or whatnot. So there's a lot riding on this slate, and it's not just the rumors, but games that are played on Saturday as well. Let's dive into it, boys. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. It's greatly appreciated. It helps us keep the lights on around this joint. And uh, subscribe to the channel as well. Thanks for getting us to 70,000 subs. It's an honor. We're, we're greatly appreciative. But, yeah, if you like this stuff, you want to see more, you want to help support us, combat those YouTube overlords along with us, help us feed the algorithm by taking one second out of your day and hitting that thumbs up button. Oh yeah. And if you want to join, get the custom emojis, the badges, the super chat, free super chats each month, the uh, priority questions, uh, comments. We'll always try and read your comments, at least when they're good, along with 
our premium Discord members as well. You can hit that join down below and uh, join the team here over on the YouTubes. All right, let's make it happen. Eric, we'll go as we always do, running back through the skill positions and then close it out with top stacks here at the end of the show. But uh, kicking it off with running back, and we did just get an update because it was a little bit wonky uh, earlier. Antonio Brown was projected for 29%, which seemed off. Uh, but now <laughs> we're, we're in good shape. Antonio Gibson is up there. Sony Michelle is up there. Even if Cam Akers plays, it's very hard to believe in week 18 that it's anything outside of just getting him fresh for the playoffs or getting him, you know, kind of locked in. And then Jonathan Taylor against Jacksonville. These are the three guys pulling 20 plus percent right now. I, I, you could hit on any one of these because I think all of them have kind of they're fascinating spots going into this week, whether they're very expensive or it's Antonio Gibson just on a bad offense against the worst Giants team. I would say that, you know, that that makes a lot of sense, mainly because what else do they really do? We saw Jared Patterson end up kind of being decent enough there. In Alex's Millie, line, Millie uh, winning lineup. Yeah, Jared Patterson ended up being a big part. That was my last running back question to Matt Gajewski. He got me onto a little bit simply because uh, you talk about who's going to be dominating that backfield. Well, if Antonio Gibson's starting and he's good to go there, he's going to be playing full out here. Um, I don't see any contract incentives or anything for him there. There are some for Taylor Heineke, uh, who only has like, he only makes like 900 something thousand dollars. So we're looking at, uh, we're looking at a guy that, you know, if he plays 60% of snaps is going to make over 12% of his normal contract there, 125 K incentive, but Antonio Gibson, I'm happy to be firing up here. Um, I, I think 27.8%. We're going to see a lot of really cheap running backs. And this is kind of a theme of what happens with week 18 is things become a little bit more concrete with where the field's going to go as the week goes on standing here on Wednesday, like Antonio Gibson. Yeah. He's a really, really good play, I think, but uh, you're going to see a number of these other teams, whether it's things, teams that have something to play for, whether it's teams that have massive, um, you know, massive number of guys sitting out for COVID or for rest purposes. You're looking at a lot of uh, these spots, like even a guy like Dalvin Cook, you see a little bit lower. It's like, what do they have to play for there in Minnesota? It's, it, it could very well be Alexander Madison a majority of the time. Those are the kind of things you have to think about. But Jonathan Taylor, he's by far, I think for me, the guy that's the most secure. Colts continuing to move up the board, trying to make a push here. So I'm, I'm happy to be firing up him. 9,300, there's an MVP case that he might be trying to make. There's no doubt that he's been the best running back in the NFL here this season. But uh, if he's trying to get anything, uh, not any kind of a, a dent into Aaron Rodgers' performance, he needs to put up 200-plus and a couple scores. So uh, Jonathan Taylor maybe tries to make an MVP case against a lowly Jags team. Matt, Jonathan Taylor faced the uh, a lowly Jags team in the final week of last year of his rookie season. Decent game. 30 for 253 and two touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, that is good. I mean, Average. so they, they need to win, but it's just Jonathan Taylor's price. So last year he was not this price. He was not the MVP candidate he is this year. And we always talk about making concessions with players. We'll get to the wide receiver position later, but it's much weaker than running back. And as we've seen because of injuries, COVID absences, and now motivation, their players three K cheaper than Jonathan Taylor, who are going to have the same workload. Now they might not have the same efficiency, but if you get 75, 80% of Jonathan Taylor, and we saw this last week, like Jonathan Taylor puts up a reasonable performance, but he's nine K and he's not enough to get you there by himself. So it's how he affects the rest of your lineup for me. Who do you like right now getting 
you know, pulling big ownership, Matt, from Gibson to Michelle to Jonathan Taylor, Montgomery's up there as well. Um, nothing insane once you get past that. Like Eric mentioned, Dalvin Cook's pulling some ownership. Uh, anybody you really like up top? Yeah, it's going to be the cheaper backs. My favorite has got to be Sony must win game for both of these teams. Sony's had over 20 touches basically since the Daryl Henderson injury. And since Daryl Henderson's come back, Sony has not relinquished this job. Cam Akers, it doesn't make a lot of sense to bring him back, in my opinion, because Sony's played really well. Cam Akers is still not even six months removed from Achilles. But I guess we'll see if Sean McVay puts Cam Akers out there. It definitely is going to ding Sony Michelle because you're not going to play a guy like Cam Akers without some sort of plan in mind, even if it's minimal. But if it's minimal, that's still going to come away from the Sony Michelle bottom line. But right now, explosive offense favored over San Francisco. Sony involved every which way good as a pass catcher, too. And if I'm playing some of these chalky backs, I would rather play the less expensive ones. So Taylor being 9.3, again, you just have to take other players out of your roster, other studs. Like, can you play Taylor and Cooper Cup? Probably, but you're going to have to play somebody near the min at receiver or tight end, like a Steven Anderson or a Berrios. We know Berrios worked out last week, but those don't always those don't always pop up. So for me, it's Sony Michelle. Montgomery actually got a pretty decent price jump here. And that's a completely non-competitive game between Chicago and Minnesota. Chicago is the underdog, but the total is pretty low there. I think I would rather go down and play guys like Singletary. And I'm not sure where we want, we want to draw the cutoff for chalky players, but the cheaper backs are where I'm looking. Yeah. Singletary. I, I think, what is he like 12% right now? That, that's fine. I'll go back to him for the fourth straight week uh, with zero hesitation, Eric. And, Contrary to what a couple of people in chat were saying yesterday, this is not a new thing for me. And so I've loved that Ben and I have been on the Singletary train since the rookie season. He just hasn't been any good. So we never talk about him anymore. Um, <laughs> not that he hasn't been good. They just refuse to use the guy. I remember in his rookie season, every other, I'm not even kidding. I think it was like one out of every five touches he had went for 10 plus yards. The guy has always been pretty efficient. He just wasn't getting opportunities. And now he has 11 red zone carries in uh, over the last four games. He's got a handful of goal line carries and carries inside the 10. I and mean, this is what I want. This is exactly what I'm looking for in a running back. Played 80% of snaps last week, even though Zach Moss was back. So he saw a bump from week 16 when Ma Moss came back. I mean, now you're facing the, the New York Jets as a massive, massive favorite. And they're actually looking to run the ball more frequently than they have in the past. Just look at that Atlanta game. Look at two weeks ago. I forget who they, they faced, but they gave New England, him New England. Thank you. Um, no, no, no. Two, uh, three weeks ago then Carolina. Look, well, look at that. Steel trap memory on this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Carolina. I, I played a lot, lot of Devin Singletary is why I know. Yeah, right. Me too. Uh, exactly. I can also pull up his box score. That'd be a smart idea. I have his snap share up. That for me is the big thing with Devin Singletary. So in week 14, that was Tampa Bay. You were looking at a spot where he saw 82% of the offensive snaps with only four carries. And I think that people didn't get on Devin Singletary the next week because they simply saw four carries, seven targets, six receptions. Tampa Bay notorious for being able to shut down the run. But you saw right away, I love when I see Zach Moss inactive as opposed to Matt Breida. Zach Moss can kind of get cycled in for some carries here and there. Matt Breida is more of just like insurance. Like he's flat out insurance. 93% of snaps against Carolina there in week 15, 68% against New England. That was a very positive game script. Uh, they ended up bringing Moss in a little bit more there. And then Buffalo against Atlanta, 80% of snaps. We're just looking at this being a different guy. You have to kind of throw out everything you know about the Devin Singletary who once burned you. It's always been a workload issue. And so 
for me. I'm happy to be firing firing him up at 14%. Uh, up against the Jets or 12%, whatever that number ends up kind of cycling. I, I would expect it to trend up. We're looking at Buffalo still being a team that has something to play for here. We're going to refer to that constantly here, but they have the opportunity to uh, really move up the board and even just having that first round uh, security to be able to play at home, such a big factor here for Sunday. I think that that's something that a lot of teams are still going to be playing all their starters for. Sure. And Matt, I think a lot of this is going to change in terms of just some ownership that we're looking at. But Rashad Penny has been dominant lately. He's got a divisional matchup. Uh, he's around 6%. Not a, not big in the pass catching realm, but still, you know, worth talking about. Eli Mitchell, last time they faced the Rams, I think he had 27 carries in that, that ass beating against the Rams. I don't anticipate that being the same way, but I think you get a lot of opportunities. And then I've got to throw this guy out there to you. <sighs> It, it, it's not fun, but Ben pointed out on yesterday's show, the Giants had negative 10 passing yards last game, not in the first quarter or the second quarter for the game, negative 10 passing yards for the game. They ran the ball 40 times. And despite a 29, three loss, Saquon Barkley had 21 oh, rushing no. attempts, which is, I mean, it, it's ass backwards, but maybe just to spare themselves more embarrassment, they go and say, yeah, fuck it. We're going to run 30, 40 times again and just give Barkley all the work. I don't know. Well, you spent the number two pick on the guy. He's supposed to win you the game. Jesus. Yeah, isn't, right, that yeah. what, isn't that that's what you how, spend the number two pick on? Like the they difference sure maker did. in your team? They sure did. I mean, it's really paid off too. Yeah, it has. But I mean, but he has huge first. legs, Matt. He has huge legs. So does AJ Dillon. Okay, that's fair. Um, Saquon Barkley. AJ Dillon's a, a battering ram, though. I mean, my God. <laughs> Bowling Dude. ball. Unreal. Saquon Barkley had his first 100-yard rushing game since 2019. So it kind of speaks to the climate Amazing. of the New York Giants. But you see this a lot in college football. If a guy's going to get 40 attempts or whatever it is, they ran 40 times. So if, if Saquon gets 25 of those, it doesn't matter how bad he is. He's going to backdoor his way into 100 yards or something close Like to last it. week. Exactly. So if you, and we've seen this with James Robinson in the past too, like the guy on the worst team getting an immense workload. If the workload is there, that is what we are most concerned about. Not game script, not offensive efficiency, it's workload. And if he has that, he's somebody you need to consider. I wouldn't say he's a priority play, but again, he's just three and a half percent right now. And with the alternatives we have in this price range, Eli Mitchell, Devin Singletary, Sony Michelle, a few other guys like Chase Edmonds, I don't really see Saquon Barkley climbing to double-digit ownership. So as a tournament play, even though they're – I just looked at their implied team total, it's 15. So Amazing. I guess even though they have a 15-point implied team total, if Barkley's going to get 25, 30 touches, I mean, you have to consider him. 15 points. When's the last time we saw one this low? So he's going to score two touchdowns, right? Oh, dude, last week uh, Jacksonville, I think, was 13. Oh, yeah. I'm serious too. I think they were 13 last week. There's a ton of alternatives in this range though. Like a ton. Oh no, no doubt about it. Yeah. But I do think it makes it interesting, Eric, because based on what Matt's saying and, and what both of us are saying, there's a lot of alternatives, but that also means that if you wanted to get off of some of the chalky guys, like an Antonio Gibson, if he really is 26%, there's some ways to do it for guys that might easily pull 20 plus touches again. Yeah. And that's where you could, start getting really, really gross down here a little bit further. And I, I'm just saying Rex Burkhead, I brought him up on the front end and it sounds like a ridiculous thing to say they're 10 point dogs going up against Tennessee, but 
so long as you continue to have David Johnson out there, um, you're just looking at volume. We're talking about 16 and 22 carries his last two weeks. Going up against San Francisco wasn't ideal. Tennessee this week, also not ideal, but they're at home. It's a game where they could play spoiler here for, for you know, some of Tennessee's purposes. I'm going through, what did I have for their, for their incentives? Because I know Tennessee is still in a spot where they have a chance at the number one. So does Cincinnati, so does Kansas City. Those are your three teams that have a chance at the number one seed in the AFC. Kansas City holds all the cards, but that game starts at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. So you're looking at the Titans and Bengals, both being teams that should be out there trying to just go full bore. Uh, so I feel good about a guy like Deontay Foreman there on the That's other side as well. That's a Saturday game for Kansas City. Oh, it is Saturday. Oh, never mind. Saturday, well, then, 430, yeah. So then we'll have a better idea come Sunday. Okay, I was just looking at the 430 uh, Eastern. So yeah, it's on Saturday. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure Tennessee wins, they get it. Like, I don't think they, Kansas City's game matters. Tennessee just needs to Correct. win. Correct. They yeah. win their set. So Deontay Foreman, hello, how are you? Nice to see you. 26 carries. I Give love me that, that at 8.3%. Yeah, love it. You you wish he caught even a couple passes per game just to make because he's actually not a horrible pass catcher. Give me you know, three targets, but yeah, dude, he has what doesn't he have like three hundred yard games over his last four? He's a monster right now. Yeah, he's got uh, three over his last five, but okay. he's got 19, 13, 22, 9, and twenty six. That nine against San Francisco was really really wonky. I think he got dinged up in that game as well, if I remember correctly. So um, Deontay Foreman, I really have no qualms about. If everybody, if all other things are equal, McNichols is rotating in. He's just doing, you know, the, the pass catching along with Hilliard. Hilliard vultured a rushing touchdown last week. I did not enjoy that. Um, but Deontay Foreman going to be getting that same thing that, that Matt's talking about, 20, 22, 24 carries here. That is really, really good against Houston. That Foreman game was weird. I remember watching that. That was the the primetime game. I mean, also, A.J. A. Brown got like, 16 targets in that one and they just continued to pepper him but uh i i think we should at least expect in a spot like this even if mcnichols and hilliard do get some opportunities foreman's probably still going to get a, a lot of work himself they're huge favorites uh so oh bat, matt by the way the jets have a 13 point implied total this week too <laughs> yeah that's really good oh man yeah it's just impressive any other uh any other low owned backs right now, Matt, that you think are worth looking at? I think we hit on most of them. I, I do like the Rex Burkhead call. What is the difference between Rex Burkhead and like Saquon Barkley right now? I think honestly, you could make it a case that Rex Burkhead's the better play in a vacuum. He's on a better offense right now. Davis Mills has actually moved the ball. Yeah, Not yeah. a lot, but somewhat efficiently. And if you have more scoring opportunities for Rex Burkhead against Tennessee, yeah, against Tennessee, I don't really hate that. So I like the call on Rex Burkhead from Eric, but otherwise I think if you're going contrarian, you're paying up. So players like Najee players, players like Chubb, and that's not a range I really want to be in because they're all kind of middling in ownership. Like you can find cheaper backs like Burkhead, Mitchell Barkley at a cheaper price with same touches at lower ownership. Or if you're going to eat some semblance of ownership, like just play the cheap guys that are higher own Gibson, Michelle, Montgomery, whoever it may be. So the like Dalvin Cooks, the the Najee Harris's, they're kind of on the outside looking in for me, but they are contrarian if you want to take that approach. Where do you think Samaje Pirine's ownership is going to be? He they they did they did preemptively price him up here fifty three hundred. See, like I doubt Cleveland. It, it seems like Cincinnati's game is going to be meaningless. Outside yeah. of a crazy situation on Saturday, Cincinnati's not going to be playing for anything. 
P Ryan plays a role in this offense. It's not a big one, but he's the change of pace to Mixon. If something happens to Mixon in the playoffs, they need P Ryan. So I, I'm not convinced he plays the full game. Like, you think, I think it'll you be Evans? Of, to get yeah, most I think of you the see work? a lot of Evans, probably some sort of timeshare. But I doubt it's P Ryan with the same workload as these other backs. I highly doubt it. Probably right. Plus, he's not even that cheap. I, I, I don't know. I'd much Plus rather you're gonna have go Brandon Allen playing quarterback more than likely. Right. And that's a good point, so, too. Yeah. I'd much rather just pay a couple hundred extra for a Deonta Foreman or something like that. Yeah, no doubt. Anybody else here at uh, running back, Eric? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of guys we can look at. For me, something that I've traditionally done a lot of week 18s, I was going through some past results for things. And there was that one eruption spot where it was like Kelsey and Kittle were going back and forth at the tight end spot. And you know, there's just those type of things that occur on this kind of a week. Another thing that I've, I've kind of seen through my lineups over the years, I've definitely been more inclined to take shots on running backs who weren't in necessarily secure spots, but seem like they still have the entire backfield and aren't staples of the team. Daria Gumbawale going up against Indianapolis. He's you know, a team with a 15 total there in Jacksonville. It seems like we just love every 15 and 13 total team here on this, on this slate, but 5,200 there for so him. Bad. He's literally had 17 to nine carries. So nothing crazy there, but going to add some receiving volume. And for me, I just don't really see them having any, well, James Robinson's not going to play. Carlos Hyde's not going to play. I mean, they've had Nathan Cottrell kind of e exist, but he hasn't been on the field here. Uh, he wasn't on the field last week. We saw Reichwell Armstead, who was existent once upon a time here. Uh, got activated, I believe. He he sat out for COVID all of last season. He was really sick. Yeah, and he, he was, was really shape. sick from COVID. And so I don't really see him getting any kind of a workload. You're looking at Daria Gumbawale being on the field for 65 plus percent of snaps. And he's traditionally more of a pass catching back. And I think that there's some serviceability there in a negative game script. Oh, every game is a negative game script for Jacksonville. But I think a Gumbawale, those are the kind of guys where He's 2.7%, but the field won't be there. They're going to play some of the more secure backs on good teams and doing whatever else. You could get a guy like that really, really low owned and a, a decent source of value. I don't hate it at all. I do hate this last question at running back though, Matt, and I'm going to throw it your way. So uh, get ready, fella. Ronald Jones is questionable and he definitely might not play. I mean, they're waiting on MRI results. So this isn't just like oh, a little banged up. Keyshawn Vaughn's got bruised ribs. I, I'm assuming that, that he plays, but if him and Ronald Jones are out, are you entertaining Le'Veon Bell? Yeah, for sure. Team yeah. that has a little bit to play for, not much, but there's an outside chance they could improve their playoff position. They used Le'Veon Bell a decent amount last week, a lot more than I thought they were going to. And it's not like Le'Veon Bell carried a majority of the work or something, but you're talking about a team down their top four backs in this scenario. Three targets that, too. Yeah. I mean, he's always been a good pass catcher. He's just, he's, he's over the hump. He's out of his prime. He's, he's like Frank Gore in the final days of his career. You're, if he handles a lead back. Careful buddy. I am the biggest. He's done. He's boxing, man. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Frank I'm the, Gore junior season. Southern Miss, my man. Southern Miss, baby. It was actually a it was actually a travesty that Adrian Peterson and all these backs got chances and nobody called Frank Gore. I was kind of upset about this year. That this year, you know, you know, he'd have shown up. He would have shown up. Of course, he, he would have got given you the sixteen carries, fifty five scoreless yards, yeah. like Le'Veon Bell yeah. is going to do if he handles the lead back role here. Probably, but I, 
I don't know what what else do they what else are they going to do? I I think there's a very realistic chance that Ronald Jones does not play in this game, Eric. Yeah, I don't think he does either. I'm probably with you. Um, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, you talk about the timing of these games too, and you're you're looking at Tampa Bay. They can they can finish no lower than four. So fourth is the worst that they could finish in the NFC. They can get all the way up to second for a win. That seems like pretty good incentive to me. You also need a Rams loss, though. That's that's kind of the really that's the hiccup in the entire deal. And so uh, I'm assuming that that is going to be a difficult thing to really kind of uh, figure out. But you know, I, I don't see any kind of an issue going to Le'Veon Bell now here. Where um, I'm just looking again at the timing of these games and making sure that it all matches up. Rams in that afternoon slot too. A lot of scoreboard watching going to be going on for some of these teams, but. I definitely think that Le'Veon Bell, if you're looking at him being the only healthy back back there now, I think you could do worse. Um, I bet he gets steamed up if in the event that everybody's out simply because of name recognition, because there's really uh, an injury mark uh, designation next to every other name in that Tampa Bay backfield. So I don't know if he'll go like under the radar by any means, but no doubt about it. If you were to get news late that all of those other guys are going to be out, Le'Veon Bell makes for an awesome late swap play. Yeah, I agree. I will say though, if if Keyshawn Vaughn plays, he becomes interesting. But the problem is, if he's out there with bruised ribs, is there really any point of trying to force feed him work? So the only, I feel like the only way I'm really comfortable getting to this backfield, at least right now, probably is if Keyshawn Vaughn and Ronald Jones are out. Uh, because do we trust Vaughn's workload if he's in there? How much is Bell going to get? I think, if, at least for me, Eric, I'd want it to be at a point where where Bell is the clear lead guy, and then. Um, I don't know, maybe Kenyon Barner's on the field to spell him, but but Le'Veon Bell, as an older back where they're not worried really too much about his services in the postseason, they just give him all the work he can handle. Yeah, it's a 13-game slate, but you want to be taking risks like that. I mean, you got to kind of use your logic. We've been using it for NBA here constantly, where it's how many minutes are they going to play right off the COVID list, and some guys are in shape, some guys aren't. I don't know how to quantify bruised ribs. I don't know what that feels like. It seems pretty awful. Um, they hurt. Probably tough to breathe and not enjoyable. I was going to say, you're the hockey guy. I played golf, no contact. You never, no one ever just got pissed after you had a great drive and took their club straight across your, your rib cage. Mr. Gilmer, I'm your caddy. <laughs> a little bit of that. No, I didn't do any of that, but uh, I did play basketball, but I always had it's like, manageable. I was always, I'm six two, but like, I was always like a really skinny dude in college or in high school. And I always had like guys that were like bruisers on my team that kind of did, did all my fighting for me. Because I certainly was just going to talk shit and then just not stand the repercussions Stick of it. Stick the goons so. on them. Oh yeah, you just. I had my I had my posse. It felt good. It felt good. So I I didn't get a lot of bruised ribs. I didn't get physical enough. I just sat around and shot threes. <laughs> I like. Hey, listen, man. You that's that's a good role. Yeah, All right, let's nice. move on. We got wide receiver, tight ends as well. Uh, first, Prize Picks though. Shout out to our sponsor, Prize Picks. Doing things big these days. And uh, it appears that they just keep growing and keep doing better stuff. And along with that, so have we, because we're doing an awesome promo with prize picks that hopefully you guys have taken advantage of so far in the event that you haven't. Well, first of all, use the promo code awesome. this has been around for a while. You'll get a hundred dollar first match deposit bonus. When you do a W E S E M O. When you sign up, go to prizepicks.com, go to the app store, Google play store, wherever it is. But if, if you sign up using our link right there, 
You'll see it right there. It's in the description. Michael, throw it in the chat for you. You'll also get a free month of Awesome Plus Platinum, $90 value, everything on the site. Football, uh, basketball, PGA's back this week, eSports, MMA, everything. If there's contests out there, we have content for it. Premium across the board, ownership, top stack tool, boom bust, uh, player projections, the lineup builder. You can get the Fantasy Cruncher add-on if you want. All of our tools created by Awesome himself, so you know they're legit. So if you want to do that, head over to Prize Picks. It's a daily player prop-based contest uh, site. It's awesome. And unlike regular parlays, you can still hit four or five and make money. You know, you can still 2X. There's a lot of different ways to play. An insane menu of different sports and different props across everything. I mean, cricket, for God's sakes. It's insane. Uh, you can mix your sports up, do cross-sport props, uh, cross-sport lineups. It doesn't all have to be the same one. A lot of different ways to play and win money over there. 10x your money if you hit five on the five team uh, prop lineup. Use the link, get the free month, use the promo code, get the $100 when you sign up and deposit. What are you waiting for? I mean, there's no reason not to take advantage of this. Not only is it a great spot to play, but you get a free month of Awesome Plus and you get a $100 first match deposit bonus. Man, don't be silly. All right, let's keep moving here. Wide receivers. Matt, AJ Brown is definitely going to be pretty popular this week coming off uh, an ugly game. But prior to that 16 targets in that win over San Francisco and then Justin Jefferson, assuming Kirk cousins is back. Yes. It's a meaningless game, but there's no reason not to play these guys. So you've got him cup digs four top tier options above everybody else. And I think you can make a pretty good argument for all four of these guys. Yeah, I think you can too. The big difference is, do you want to pay the extra salary for cup? And I think in low-risk contests, cash contests, you certainly do. I think you want Cup in your lineup over Jonathan Taylor. He is just such a difference maker at the receiver position. We've seen a similar ceiling out of A.J. Brown and Justin Jefferson, but the games are few and far between, whereas Cup is doing it every single week. He has one game below 95 yards this entire year. And we're dealing with a slate where we don't have Jamar Chase, we don't have Tyreek Hill. So I think Cup is still worthwhile to pay up for in low risk contests at 15%. Outside of that, I'm doing the exact strategy you laid out with AJ Brown being pretty chalky, but still not even 18%. So it's not like you're, you're making a stand here and just eating absolute chalk in your lineup. You can certainly get different with AJ Brown in your lineup. You can get different with Jefferson, with Diggs. Eric already mentioned the contract thresholds that Diggs can reach this week. And Buffalo, they still need to be out there on the field. The Jets have arguably the worst secondary in the NFL. So I do like all these guys at the top right now. I'm not sure who I'm going to be prioritizing, but I think it's cup. Eric, you've got a 30 point implied total for the Colts. Uh, we can talk about Pittman in a minute, but he's one of the guys pulling double digits right now. Uh, 30 point implied total for the bills. If we're talking about Diggs and company 27 for the Titans. So, I mean, really all of these guys, or at least most of them at the top, are on teams that could just go full out nuclear against their opponents. And it could be through the air and on the ground that you're getting good production. I'm not, I'm not just counting out one side or one phase of this offense when you're expected to score that many points against such bad teams. Yeah. You saw this with the Millie maker lineup from Alex Baker. You saw him basically encapsulate all the upside of Seattle against a bad Detroit team. I think you can do the same thing with a team like Indianapolis. It's now been three weeks in a row. It, it was Joe Mixon. Uh, getting pulled alongside the receivers from Cincinnati with Joe Burrow. And then last week you saw it with Detroit or sorry, we saw it with Seattle. So like legitimately going to Pittman and Jonathan Taylor, 
hard to believe that you don't have like all the touchdown upside from a team with a 30 total in that spot by rostering both. I have no problem putting them together. Tough for me to probably put any Wentz alongside of that, but uh, definitely Michael Pittman there, 5,900. I think he's probably a little bit on the low owned uh, threshold for him there. You start to get into this interesting range here. So like Amon Ross St. Brown only puts up 30 spots now. Like he legitimately just goes completely nuts. He's priced up to 6,800. He's not projecting out well by any means, but it's a team that hasn't had anything to play for the last five weeks. And they just keep force feeding him the ball. doesn't matter who's playing quarterback for him. He's probably getting a lot of the second team defensive players here from Green Bay in the second half. I can't see a way that I wouldn't want to take shots on him if he's going to be sub 10%. So like legitimately guys, uh, there's, there's not a ton of quote unquote chalk here that exists at the moment. Uh, AJ Brown, I think probably appropriately the, the most owned guy in this entire grouping, Justin Jefferson, you can have your questions about it, but he's a second year wide receiver trying to make a mark. And I don't think that they're going to be limiting him in any way, but uh, I'm on round say Brown kind of in a unbelievable run here the last five weeks. I think you just keep riding the hot hand there. And he's doing it with Goff or Tim Boyle, which is even more remarkable. He's played really well. Um, Matt, I'll give you, I'll give you one guy too, that is, is not too expensive. And I think if, if you're, if I'm going to get different, I like trying to get different with guys that are actually getting a lot of targets. Uh, And if Dalton starts again, we all thought it was going to be Robinson that was getting that love this year, but Darnell Mooney, him and Andy Dalton have had some some insane games when it comes to target share, right? I mean, he targeted him 16 times against Baltimore earlier this season, uh, eight times against Detroit where he went back-to-back 100-yard games. And then last week, sure, kind of disappointing overall yardage production, but seven receptions on 13 targets found his way into the end zone, and now they face a Minnesota team that, was eliminated from playoff contention and an embarrassing loss. No real fault of their own. They were without Kirk Cousins. But uh, last week against Green Bay, I think Darnell Mooney is one of those guys. If Dalton plays, does he get another double-digit target game? And I really wouldn't put it past them at this point. Yeah, yeah. I think he very well could. Robinson's basically an afterthought. Yeah. He's battled injury. He's battled COVID. And he's been very vocal about how COVID negatively affected him. So I don't think another week is going to really benefit him that much. And Robinson's still drawing more ownership. That's obviously a function of price, but you still have the alpha receiver for Chicago. Alpha, if you want to call him that, in single-digit ownership with a solid role in the offense, and it's remained consistent whether or not Allen Robinson's been on the field. Nagy's not being retained this year, so this is kind of his last chance to show anybody in the league that might want to hire him in the future that he can put together some semblance of an offense or be a competent position coach. So I don't think Chicago is just going to straight up lay down in this game. Uh, Matt, Artie, and, and I'm with you. Artie uh, Van Housen asks, do you think St. Brown is worth a late first in sleeper? So I guess dynasty. I would say absolutely. If, you, if late, for, late first round in a 12-team league uh, to, to get um, Amon Ross St. Brown, yeah, I, absolutely. Probably. I don't play dynasty, so I don't really know. Well, think of it this way. Usually a late first round pick, the chances of it hitting, like it's not that it doesn't happen. A lot of times it does, but the chances of it hitting aren't that high. Um, I, I think it's reasonable to suggest Eric that I'm on rest. St. Brown has hit already. And this guy's probably going to be pretty damn good on a team. That's only going to continue to get a lot of good draft picks and hopefully over the next few years, get better and better. Yeah. I mean, the worse they are, the better the outlook, at least to try right. to get a top tier quarterback. Like that's, that's always kind of a interesting thing. And, 
You know, we, we're seeing with Trevor Lawrence, who, you know, was the most can't miss prospect forever. Of course, you're going to miss. There's going to be a lot of misses. But if you have one, two, three shots at it over the course of the next three years, four years, this guy at USC was an absolute monster. He's a monster now. Um, and, and he came out of the gates pretty slow. And I think I would come out of the gates slow if I had Jared Goff as my quarterback here too and needed to find some some footing. But I'm happy to be looking at Amon Ross saying Brown. I mean, he's doing it with Tim Boyle. It's just absurd. Um, I, I definitely think you want to be firing him up. Adding in a rushing touchdown, uh, Detroit keeps trying to win football games. That's the one nice thing about them too is, you know, in the middle of the last five, six weeks, They've still just been full board trying to play spoiler, trying to win games. You know, they didn't really, they were never in that Seattle game, but they still were out there playing catch up. So I think a lot of what you're looking at from St. Brown is a result of them just being, being content to, to try as hard as possible. And you can't say that about every other team going into this week. So I'm, I'm looking at him as a piece that I'm just fine to get to. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet and subscribe to the channel. Appreciate all of you guys being with us every day, especially as we head into week 18 here. Uh, Matt, we had a super chat from the Eagles are trash. Yeah, I mean, they're not that good, but they're, they're in the playoffs. Matt, what do, you, uh, what do you make of Tyler Johnson? I think Tyler Johnson's okay. I think the receiver you really want to prefer in this offense is Grayson. Grayson's oh, played, he's played ahead of Johnson. He's cheap. He's actually been targeted in the offense. We know Evans was limited last week, but limited for Evans. He still played 76% of the snaps and he saw seven targets, but Grayson had eight. Grayson's been targeted. Grayson is like a small burner. He's a special teams player. I believe he went to LSU if I'm not mistaken, but it was he's the a go Tigers. <laughs> that was pretty the good, Eric. Coach, I'm Gojo. Hey, you go easy on that Seagull boy. <laughs> that's, not, that's not bad. Thank you. Appreciate but, it. I, Grayson, I mean, he's kind of playing that role that, you know, Scotty Miller's played in the past where you have a small but a deep threat, a guy who stretches the field. That's the guy I want to target if I'm getting to an ancillary Tampa Bay pass catcher. All right. Uh, Antonio Gibson was just activated. And what? What's up? Did you say Antonio Gibson was activated? He was on COVID. Yeah. From the COVID-19 list. Okay. What did I do? Oh, sorry. No, my brain said Antonio Brown because it's 8.42 a.m. And I was oh, like, gosh. what are we talking about? Sorry. Gotcha. I heard Antonio yeah. and blanked because was, he's the only sure Antonio in the oh, news. Yeah, and we yeah, were I was, talking about the Bucks, So I get were. it. I, get, I can see that. I thought it was like a piggyback to the next thing. And I was like, what? Okay. No, he's, I don't think he's, yeah, no. Hang on. Can we can we put on the tinfoil hats quick? I want to get yeah, back to real, real oh, quick. Mike Zimmer said that Kirk Cousins will start this oh, week. Oh, well. God damn it. What in the world? Mike, it just Mike's makes me love Justin Jefferson. That guy tells it like it is. Cousins? <laughs> Kellen Mond just getting thrown under a bus. Why? Oh, yeah, man. Not that good. was funny. <laughs> I see him every day. Oh, okay. But, you know, in all seriousness, how do you get that mad at Cousins? Like, Everybody else that tests positive that close to a game is like 99% chance of missing it at one game anyway. Right. So yeah. Does it make a difference in all seriousness? Like if we're being logical about it. Yeah. It's just the timing of things matters more than the thing itself. Sure. Granted they'd have lost that game anyway. Probably, but you know what? I have a feeling they would have been a little bit more competitive. That's than what probably I saw. true as well. Oh my yeah. Lord. That was bad. 
That's true. That was bad. Really bad. I ended up watching Netflix at half. All right, put your tinfoil hat on. What are you going to say here? I was going to ask Matt Kajewski's opinion here on Antonio Brown and Bruce Arians. Do you yeah, think? I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Okay, never Why? mind. Because I don't want to. We'll, he doesn't want it on the record. DFS. He doesn't want to have a hot take for once. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to come in. You, you're happy to spark Twitter debate. I don't understand. What? You love Twitter. You love going at people on Twitter. It's like people come at me, dude. I don't start that stuff. Laffy, Laffy, entertain me. Well, first of all, I tweeted something about Antonio Brown <laughs> that was like that was clearly sarcastic, but kind of shit posting just to see what people would say. I said. You know, I've always considered Antonio Brown one of the most level-headed players in the NFL, <laughs> but today's actions were very disappointing. And people were like, what are you, an idiot? This guy's not one of the... What are you, stupid? And, uh, and People like, not familiar with you on the Twitter. Oh, right, my, right. How and did I not see like, this? When did, when did you consider him one of the most level-headed players in the league? I was like, up until today. And they, I mean, dude, some people just do not get that they, they, they can't go on political Twitter and look at how some of these people take everything so seriously. So, uh, yeah, it's fun to mess with people like that. Eric, and this, I tweet, thoroughly... this tweet what? has 30 replies. This is hilarious. <laughs> oh yeah, I did. I know. It has 30 replies. <laughs> look at a lot of people on there. They're just like, how, what are you dumb? I mean, <laughs> And meanwhile, they're <laughs> posing with their cousin in their Twitter profile pic. Yeah, it's so it's so ridiculous, man. But it's uh, beautiful. I enjoy that type of stuff. So well, I guess is Bruce Arians might be in trouble. So you're so you're talking about what? Here's the problem. Okay, here's my problem. Mm -hmm. Is are you are you familiar with the story, The Boy Who Cried Wolf? Yes, I am. You are okay. I am. So given. Antonio Brown's checkered uh, checkered uh, history off of the field, right? Wanting to, to wear an unregulated helmet, uh, storming out of Oakland or Las Vegas, whichever it was at the time, uh, having all of the off the field issues, some of which, you know, may have not been his fault and you're innocent until proven guilty. I firmly believe that even if it's not the court of law, when you've got accusations coming out against them, who am I to say that he's that he's wrong or that he's guilty? I don't know shit. But what I do know is that it's more difficult when you behave like that, as he did on the field, right? With those type of antics that are kind of indicative of an Antonio Brown that we've seen do some wild stuff prior to this over the past couple of years. It's far more difficult for me to just take that report of Arians telling him to get out there and play at face value. And I think that's a, one might say, level-headed approach on my part. But here's my thing is Antonio Brown hasn't really done anything for a, for like an Antonio Brown amount of time is probably the right way of saying it. Like it's been a while since we saw him fart in a doctor's face, since we saw him do some ridiculous stuff. Like I feel like he's been very well behaved since entering Tom Brady's little stratosphere. Like he is on best behavior. Something really had to have happened for him to snap like that. Like, I, I find it hard to believe, especially knowing how many incentives were waiting for him uh, in the wings. Like, you look, talk about contract incentives. The guy was looking at making a couple million or at least a million dollars more just through, you know, receiving volume. So, like, legitimately, he had to have been very banged up. I don't know. Something tells me something's going to happen there. Matt? Well, there were reports this morning that he's, like, Reports are coming out from like an independent doctor that he wasn't supposed to be on the field at all. Again, none of this is 
public yet, so we just don't know. But saying he was completely behaved under Tom Brady, I think, is laughable after, like, the COVID vaccine antics. Like, he's not been well-behaved. I mean, like, in front of a camera. Obviously, lying about your vaccine card, probably not ideal. But I'm saying that in terms of his antics, like, there hasn't been the the outward antics that we've seen from him or that we would expect from him. Yeah, I get, I agree with that. I mean, look, there's, I would be shocked to find out there were not a lot of fake vaccine passes floating throughout the NFL. Right. Yeah. Probably true. Right. Uh, but I, I don't, the, my problem is I, I think it's kind of a cop out to be like, yeah, well, he's behaved himself for almost a calendar year. You know, like he hasn't done, he hasn't had a public outburst that went viral on social media in 10 months. You know, I, I'm not sure that deserves an applause. Yeah. Remember he had that insane stuff happening outside of his house where he was like berating, was it delivery drivers? Yeah, a deli delivery driver. And then a neighbor called about something. And I think he assaulted the neighbor. I think he I did. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's tough, but I hope it all works out. The sad part to me is, this guy's one of the greatest to ever play the game, hands Period. down. I mean, Antonio Brown is one of the best receivers ever. If you wanted to tell me that he was a top five receiver ever, I think you could make a very good argument for that case. I haven't put together, you know, all of my evidence yet, but I think you could make a pretty good argument. That's what sucks. And he still, yeah. and he still was good. Yep. Yep. He wasn't over the hill. No way. It's pretty, it's, it's, it's just a weird situation. I don't know. I wanted to, I wanted to entertain that one because normally we entertain some pop culture and I wanted to keep it in Matt Kajewski's lane a little bit today. For sure. You know, for yeah. For Matt's our, heard of Antonio. Side. Have you? Yeah. Where do you go to school, Matt Kajewski? Central Michigan. There you go. It's always fun. <laughs> it never gets old. Matt, did he have any issues in college or anything? Not to my knowledge. I don't know. I feel kind of. Well, I mean, bad he was he Something's was relatively like. like quiet through most of his career. I mean, this is a guy that I mean, if you have antics at Central Michigan, like you're not going to get drafted. Like you okay. you can't you can't be a bonehead coming out of Central Michigan and gotcha. expect to be on an NFL roster. Well, if I know one thing, it'll be blamed on CTE, and maybe it should be, maybe it shouldn't. People will point to that Vontez perfect hit. Remember. Uh, and then Juju hit him and stood over his, his cold, lifeless corpse. Yeah, but a lot of Twitter doctors out there. A lot of Twitter doctors out there. Yeah, I've got to be CT. I don't know what it is, but it's actually kind of sad. Yep. All right. Any other uh, low-owned wide receivers, Matt? We haven't talked too much about some of these real low-owned players. Any of them on a 13-game slate that, that might pop for you? I think there's a lot of them in the mid-price range especially when you see ownership coming in on like Christian Kirk, who that makes sense. Christian Kirk's operating is like the wide receiver one or Zach Ertz, if you want to consider him that in that offense, but then you have other teams that are trying to evaluate player personnel. So you could go to, you already mentioned Mooney, but Odell Beckham is the wide receiver too for LA hasn't been efficient. Hasn't been in the voluminous role, but continues to catch touchdowns. Jacoby Myers, he popped up for a touchdown. That was a bit surprising, but he's at 5,200. He's still working as the wide receiver one. Parker had a monster day, Devontae Parker, that is, in terms of targets. He's at 4,900. Easily led the team there after basically going targetless the week before. So very volatile role. But Miami, we're, they're not competitive, but we're expecting them to be evaluating all the players they have on their team. So I think it's actually a pretty interesting time to take a look at some of these receivers at 5% or below. And those are just a few names I have interest in. 
Mm-hmm. I like that. Eric, I'll throw one more out at you and have you uh, wrap up the uh, wide receiver position for us. Um, love this guy going into the season. This is one of the guys I got right. We'll take some credit there. I don't want to talk about all the ones we got wrong, but Brandon Cooks. Yep. Brandon Davis Mills loves Brandon Cooks. He comes in, starts the last three games, double digit targets in all three, 33% target share. And uh, you know what? Even though they've had a couple of tough matchups, like, you know, well, Seattle's not tough, but San Francisco, he's still ripped off seven for 66 in a score. He's got three scores over his last three. Mills loves this guy. And like Matt said, Houston's not good, but their offense has actually been competitive to the point where we can't just erase them from the player pool every week. Brandon Cooks has over a thousand yards receiving on the season. Now Yo, given- this guy's the most unheralded, underrated receiver every damn year. I'm telling you, man. It's it's unreal. I mean, he was a cast off who ends up going to the Rams out of the middle of nowhere. That was such a weird situation to me. I thought there was maybe some kind of like off the field issue or something going on. And it made no sense because Brandon Cooks just performed seven of eight seasons now, I believe, where he's had over a thousand yards receiving ridiculous allotment here. Six touchdowns as well. Uh, on a just terrible football team, they're double-digit dogs. You would assume that that would probably be a positive for him. He is the go-to. There's nobody remotely close to him on this Houston team in terms of skill positions. I do like Rex Burkhead. I think having you know some Brandon Cooks being being a guy that uh, you get overweight to the field on, I think it just makes a lot of sense. I think being able to pair him, considering A.J. Brown is as popular as he is, I'm happy to pair him up. Now, you know, I, I don't know what we're going to have as far as like pivots We'll, we'll see who's playing for what comes Sunday here, but there are guys like uh, uh, Terry McLaurin, who's just kind of had an abysmal, abysmal end to this year. But I know that you're still going to have Heineke out there. That's, that's somebody kind of in that same ballpark. I already talked about Amara St. Brown. I'm happy to get up there. Jalen Waddle, I think closing out a rookie case of having a really, really good season here as well. Somebody that you could take shots on as well, but Brandon Cook's in his range. There's nobody who's going to project out remotely close for me. Um, I can say that much. Tyler Lockett, I have concerns about how much exactly he'll be on the field against Arizona, but um, he is he has no doubt. Brandon Cooks, this Houston team, they kind of fall into that same category as Almond Ron St. Brown. They keep trying to win football games. Guys are playing for their jobs, so happy to go to his direction. For sure. Players that Brandon Cooks has as many fantasy points as this year. CeeDee Lamb, DK Metcalf, Mike Evans. It's crazy. Matt, remember yeah. he was being drafted like early in the year before before ADP took shape. And even when it did, he was still going like he was being drafted well outside of the top 100. It's stupid. Yeah, we have a large sample on Brandon Cooks, too. It's just most of it came with solid QB play. So there was a right. little bit of projection here, but we knew he was going to get fed targets. I think the one thing people did not anticipate happening was somewhat competent quarterback play. Tyrod's been competent. Davis Mills has been a lot better than people ever thought he would be. And I never, I don't really know if he'll ever become like a full-time starter. You want orchestrating your offense for the future, but what he's done has been better than like Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. And at this point, that's good enough to have Brandon cooks. Who's just the pure alpha on that team produce. Let's talk about some uh, tight ends here, fellas. And uh, before we do, we got two awesome promos, happy 22. That'll get you 20% off every single thing on the site for the entire year. If you want to make a legitimate commitment, a real investment uh, into this DFS thing, come check out our tools, join us for the year, join our premium discord, join the community and get access to every single thing we have on the site, every single sport. 
happy 22. And you don't need to type this in either. You just go to awesome.com slash promos and you can click it. If you want to get 22 days of awesome o plus platinum for $20, use the promo code 2022-2022. Again, I don't even need to read it. Just go on and click it. Get 22 days of everything on the site for $20. It's only good through the seventh. These are two awesome promos. We'd love to have you become part of the community uh, and uh, start making some money with these tools. So hop on in, join our discord, join the premium office hours where you've got the pros answering your questions and helping you better get better your game and use all the tools I was talking about earlier uh, in the show and the tools that we reference every single day when we do these shows on top of that. All right, uh, let's go to, what do we got here, boys? Tight ends. All right, tight ends, Eric. It's ugly, man. It's ugly out there in the tight end streets. I feel like we probably will have to go back to some Zach Ertz, even though the yardage hasn't been there. He's getting a lot of love from Kyler Murray of late. Yeah, 5,300. I think there's definitely going to be a lot of people going his direction. But for me, I, th I think clear cut, like pretty clear cut. I'm going to have Rob Gronkowski um, just in bulk. 6,300 here. Let's talk through some contracts. And again, Let's Rob Gronkowski, he has all these terrible AARP commercials and whatever else he's doing. And so I don't think he's in a need for money, but there are a number of incentives for the guy. Seven receptions for $500,000, three touchdowns for $500,000, 85 receiving yards for $500,000. Well, also nobody's on the field outside of Mike Evans. We're talking about playing Cyril, whatever his face is from Tampa Bay, who has been on the field quite a bit, 86% of snaps. So I'm not like besmirching him as a play by any means, but like his name is Cyril, and I just I, I can't even like process any of these other wide receivers. Tyler Johnson coming out of U of M, Sky Uma, uh, love that too. I'm just trying to turn into Matt Kajewski and name every college team, but here we <laughs> go. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, just clear cut, going to be a guy that you need to be invested in come Sunday because Tampa Bay, that's just going to be how they score points. And you know, I don't see three touchdowns necessarily in the repertoire, but I mean. He, Crazier things have happened, and he's definitely more prone. He hasn't had a single single receiving touchdown game. He's got three double-digit receiving or touchdown games. So six touchdowns on the year in just three games. Uh, so there's definitely a spike week waiting for him here, sub-10%. Hopefully it's this week. Matt, what do you have at tight end? I think you got to go to Ertz. It's really hard not to. So, you know, Kelsey on the slate, Waller's injured. Kittle's playing with in a glorified triple triple option offense. You don't love that. And Mark Andrews is in what is largely a non-competitive game. Both Pittsburgh and Baltimore have a very, very slight chance of making the playoffs, like the slightest of any team still alive. So who do you have among the expensive tight ends? You have Gronk, who I Eric broke that down very well, but even there, I don't think Tampa Bay is playing for too much. They can't be any less than the four seed, and they need a they need a ton of help. They basically need the Rams to lose in order to move up to the two and with a team so banged up at receiver, I'm not sure they really want Gronk out there getting those contract incentives. Like, is that going to be a priority versus the health of their team entering the playoffs? It's a question. I don't know the answer, but with that, Zach Ertz is going to be out on the field for an every down roll. And he's actually kind of operated as the wide receiver one without Deandre Hopkins. He lines up in the slot a ton. The targets have been there just very low efficiency, but at 5,300 on DraftKings, if the guy's going to see double-digit targets, I don't think it really matters how efficient he is. He's going to backdoor his way into a positive performance. And once you get outside of him, it's where I think the things the tight end position gets really dicey. I don't really know if there's anything else that I want to even discuss, Matt. 
John Bates, I think, is somewhat interesting for Washington. Ricky Seals-Jones left their most recent yep. game in a stretcher, and we know we, we don't have Logan anymore, Logan Thomas. So John Bates has operated on a 100% snap share role with those guys out of the picture. He's 3K. Uh, I don't really know how competitive that game is going to be, but cheap tight end with an every down role. I'd rather play Bates than Komet. When Komet's on the field between the 20s and that's it. And then when they get in the red zone, they just siphon all those targets to Jimmy Graham. So no scoring expectation for Komet, non-competitive game, higher ownership, cheaper price on Bates. I would rather just play him. He's probably the tight end I like the second most, all things considered salary-wise. People talking about the Rob Gronkowski uh, commercial. What is it, USAA? Yeah, it's the worst commercial of all time. It's it's truly horrendous. Oh, what I'm trying to think of what are you like the I'm, I'm trying to think of like the voice for it. But um, I'm special. <laughs> no, this is Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski. Who's like, thought, gee, like, thanks Rob Gronkowski for calling in. Yeah, but the one part, remember, like, oh, it's for special whatever, and he's like, but I'm special. Oh, yeah, you I, are, Rob. Yeah, you are. I'm a big I'm a big Rob Gronkowski guy, but yeah, those commercials are rough. They're rough. rough. Also, um, rough is going to be Pittsburgh trying to guard uh, Mark Andrews here, going for the single receiving record or the tight end receiving record, 141 receiving yards for him to get to that mark. So something tells me he'll be popular come Sunday. That's crazy, man. Tight ends have been breaking these records left and right. Yeah. Kelsey's got it, right? Yeah. Uh, so Kittle, Kittle passed Kelsey on the last day of the season yeah. like three years ago because I played like 100% of both of them um in like a bunch of lineups that was, was the same like week too that Burks passed uh kelsey for most receptions in a single season yes. tight end it was it was bonkers but it was uh it was kelsey playing in the early window they ended up resting starters in the second half and then they were playing the rams the 49ers were playing the rams and they made it a point i think he got like 20 targets or something in that game kittle did it was incredible they were like you're just going to beat the record right away going back and he did that was wasn't that the 200 yards in the first half game? Uh, let me find it. I, 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 it's just such a vivid thing. I mean, everybody remembers their good weeks, but that was just like one of the more ridiculous finales. He had 14 targets for nine receptions, 149 yards. I think it was 2018 okay. and a touchdown, put up 32.9 uh, DK points, 2018. When was the 200 yard game? I swear he had 200 yards in a game, yeah, against Denver. He had 210 yards in the first half and finished with Jesus. 210 yards. That was a crazy game, too. It's pretty good. It's pretty All right. Good. Hey, uh, let me induct a couple of people into the Hall of Fame real quick. We've just had – okay. Matt, how often do we get to say that we have two Millie Maker winners in the same week, one of them from Best Ball, one of them Alex Baker himself, another $400,000 winner? I, I just – it's a huge week for Awesome Avatars. That's all I can say. Yeah, I keep seeing these these pop up on Twitter, and it's awesome to see, especially this late in the year. So you're really taking advantage of projections, things like that, all our tools. So congrats to everybody. The fact that it all happened in one week, like, my goodness, unbelievable. It's exciting, man. If you guys want to get involved, download that Awesomeo avatar, awesomeo.com slash avatar. Use it wherever you want. DraftKings, FanDuel, Yahoo, doesn't matter. You finish top three in a field of 5,000 or more or you just have a win that you want to tell us about, see if you can get up on the hall of fame. That's cool too. But if it's a win, of, uh, if it's top three in a field of 5,000 or more, you'll win a free month of awesome plus platinum $90 value. And you'll get inducted right here. Shout it out here, Twitter, you name it, catch all that love. 
we've been looking to give you. All right, so uh, big one here, Alex Baker, million dollars. Monkey off the back from the Millie Maker. He wins it with a full-out Seattle onslaught, which is fantastic. So congrats to Alex Osimo himself. And this one just made me happy. Felix Castro uh, DM'd me earlier in the week. He's like, Lafay, I actually have a chance. I got one through. Like, I have a shot here. Not only did he have a shot, but he won it, as Jordan Vanek pointed out, on that last Najee Harris touchdown run okay. to get the mill. I mean, come on. Come on. Unbelievable work, Felix. Short Gamer TV was just in chat a minute ago. Congrats. 387,000 Monday Night Millionaire. Uh, the night before that, I think he shouted you out, Eric and, and Neil. Uh, or And, and I think might have been, I can't remember who else. Might have been Gajeski as well. He had like $120,000 in wins the night before. Yep. So another big one. And then Fully Equipped says, I will watch you guys religiously, Lafayette and Matt. Thank you for the work you put in. Appreciate you. Tied first place Sunday showdown, won 7,800 and 9,700 overall for the contest. I also took third place last month for another 15K. You guys are the best at Awesome HOF. Fantastic stuff, dude. Congratulations. Congrats to Kyle here. Um, repping repping the, the famous bowler, Pete Weber. Okay. It's still a $1,000 win first place. That's why he says he can't use the Awesome avatar. <laughs> And then Dave DeRemmer with just another monster parlay. Like every day, this guy is turning 50 into 1,200. So congrats to all you guys. Hope to get more of you back up here, inducted into the Hall of Fame shortly. Awesome.com slash avatar. All right, boys, let's put a bow on it. Top stacks before we go. Matt, top stack probability. You got Buffalo, Green Bay, uh, Rams, Tampa. I mean, I think, have we have an... Uh, once it's updated for Rogers, likely not playing. Maybe it is. I, I I don't know. It's hard to make sense of these right now. What if this is Jordan Love? I do not think it is. Then our tool is wrong. <laughs> I think he's playing for a half. I think Aaron Rodgers already said. Like I think Aaron Rodgers also understands that he ended up winning an MVP last season because Patrick Mahomes had to sit out Week 17. Man, you think they're gonna do that? Yeah, totally. No, Absolutely. He's playing a half of football. Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He doesn't, he does not want any, he, th this guy, we are talking about like the most, uh, what is it? Arrogant dude that's ever played position. Like legitimately he is out like of his mind. He confidence. He's he incredible. Confidence. He's incredible, but I absolutely hate his existence. Uh, I just can't stand him as a well, Vikings oh, oh, fan. He's it a, is what yeah, it is. The same division. I forgot. It, yeah, it, it just that is what it sense. is. That he's irrationally sense. good. And I hate it. But one thing I can tell you is that Aaron Rodgers does not like giving up center to, or he does not like giving up behind center to anybody. He does not like anybody period coming in and taking his job, even for like kneeling at the end of the game. He ended up having that quarterback that called up at the practice squad, did it right after whatever. That was just showy. Don't even read anything into it. Jordan Love was out there throwing the exact same patterns and trying to do what Aaron Rodgers did. And Aaron Rodgers was on the sideline making fun of him last week against Minnesota. I don't know if you guys caught that, but like legitimately was giving him shit for that as well. Aaron Rodgers is going to play the first half of this game, no matter what. It's going to screw up every single stack. It's going to screw up everything here. I know that uh, LaFleur had talked a little bit about how, you know, he doesn't want to rest everybody here right out the bat. I would be shocked, and I mean shocked, if Aaron Rodgers didn't wind up behind center for at least the first half. All right. Well, that makes things a little bit more difficult, Matt, but here we are. I mean, Buffalo, huge favorite Ram San Francisco should be close. Tampa, big favorite. Um, who do you like the most? 
I think you have to look to some of the competitive games. So the LA San Francisco one doesn't really project very well right now, but we know for a fact, those two teams are competitive. It's a little easier to stack on the Ram side of things. And they actually pop as our second highest leverage stack right now. Again, we'll get this adjusted for green Bay and Cincinnati. I'm sure, but it's just hard on the other side of that game with Trey Lance basically operating a fancy triple option offense. Like he's nearly impossible to stack. So it, it, for me, it comes on the LA side and I'm not sure you run back anyone on San Francisco. This, the offense is, is not really competent right now. Who would you say, Eric, is your preferred stack looking at it right now, based on ownership, leverage, top stack probability. This is the top stack tool, by the way. And if you want to check out some free content, we got NHR, NBA player rankings and PGA rankings, both free at Osmo. And I'm sure we'll open up some of this other NFL stuff later in the week. Yeah, it's got to be Tampa Bay for me right now. We have 4.9% leverage going that direction towards Tom Brady. This is a huge game for Tampa Bay. Don't let everybody saying that they're just going to be in the playoffs no matter what fool you. The difference between the four seed and the two seed is gigantic. You get two guaranteed home games before you have to go into Green Bay. Like that is a gigantic bonus and bump up. And Tampa Bay went into Green Bay last year, got themselves into the Super Bowl and won. So it's definitely a climate, a situation where I don't mind firing up Tom Brady whatsoever. So like legitimately in this spot, it's such a condensed uh, offense now here, absent Antonio Brown, absent Chris Godwin, Tom Brady at the quarterback here. It's strange to see just a, a 25 total here at home for them. But Rob Gronkowski, Mike Evans, I like Brashad Perriman quite a bit here. I know he's been on the field a little, little bit less than Cyril Grayson, but it's also Cyril Grayson. So we got to look at that and kind of understand, you know, even though he's been on the field quite a bit, I think those are really the only wide receivers you're looking at, at going nuts with whatsoever. Tyler Johnson, if you wanted to try to take that shot, but all those pieces are really, really cheap. It should be easy to get up to Cup, to get up to Jonathan Taylor, pair them alongside Tom Brady. And traditionally, that's a tough thing to do because you have Godwin and Evans as the main guys who just absorb all of that share. So like legitimately their absences make Tom Brady stacks a little bit more palatable for me. Yeah, I think that's very true. Um, I, I want to go. It feels like the Arizona Seattle game could just turn into a shootout. If, if, if Seattle uh, is capable of, of producing, not like they did last week, but actually looking like a competent offense. I, I do like that, but Buffalo Dude, they're going to be popular. I don't know how. I don't know how Josh Allen and company don't just annihilate this this Jets team as 16 and a half point favorites. Is it 17 now? Whatever it is, it's nuts. So um, there's some good spots out there. But for some of them, I definitely want to wait to see what happens as far as players actually being on the field. Green Bay being one of them, as Eric pointed out. So anyway, that'll do it for us. You guys are the greatest. Hit that thumbs up before you go. Follow Eric at Eric Linkwist, Matt at Matt underscore Gajeski, me at Lafayette underscore D. Shout out to Mike for producing the show, and we'll catch you back here tomorrow. The Marathon Matchup Show with Matt Savoca and myself. Got a lot of games. Come hang out, buckle your seatbelts, and bring some coffee. And of course, NBA Live Before Lock, Deeper Dive, all that good stuff tonight. We'll see you back here very shortly. Peace. <laughs>